0: Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipness. In business, you can have the greatest product in the world. You can have a wonderful service. You can know exactly what you're doing, but without a passion for what you're doing, a passion for who you serve, and that desire to do what you do, to get up in the morning and make it happen, to get other people to follow you, to be part of your journey, a business can't succeed. So one of the things that is critically important is understanding where that passion lies within you and knowing why you do what you do. And today we're gonna talk a lot about the passion for what you do and how that leads to a successful business and a business where other people follow that includes clients that includes employees and that includes partners this is adam kipnis host of the entrepreneurs mba podcast and the ak business accelerator i appreciate you being here today Uh, as always we're sponsored by powertexting.com on c-suite radio powertexting.com has a great platform to stay in touch with your prospects and clients and they give away a free hotel stay at a four or five star resort to one listener of every episode of the show. So stay tuned for more on that so you can be one of our lucky winners of that free hotel stay. In business, and when you're trying to accelerate your business, you do need passion, but you also need the right strategy and the right tactics to take that passion into something beneficial for your clients. For me, it's all about how to drive more revenue with a specific strategy. And my book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, you can get it at freebookfromadam.com, is eight steps to have that pre-built strategy. It's step-by-step, it's what you need if you need to drive more revenue. So definitely go out and grab that book um, and drive more revenue to your business. So without further ado, today we're talking to a, a great, passionate guy about what he does. He's a speaker a motivator he's a leader he's the co-founder of email on acid and cause for awareness John these thanks for being with us today I appreciate your time awesome I'm really excited to be here thanks for having me yeah I, I want to talk about the just what gets you passionate about email because in your bio it says you are super passionate about email which some of us don't necessarily understand and I want to dig to where that passion comes from but before we get there tell us a little bit about your path to starting that business what drove you down that and why did you take the entrepreneurial journey to co-found this company
1: yeah absolutely so my co-founder my other co-founder is my sister so it's a you know it's a family-run business Um, and so what happened was it's and we've always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit you know, ever since we were kids, you know, doing lemonade stands and all this type of stuff. But ultimately, it kind of, to be honest with you, this one kind of fell in our lap. So we are both self-employed, independent, you know, contractor. She was, uh, you know, she's a graphic designer, marketer, all that type of stuff. And I'm more of the back-end kind of uh, programmer type. And so we we had a lot of mutual customers. And one day we had um, or it's not one day, but we had a couple of customers come to us and say, hey, we need help with our email. Can you help us with that? And as we got into it, we started to really understand the complexity because email is unlike any other beast when you think about how it displays and how it renders. So like every email client, like Gmail, Yahoo, your iPhone, your Android device will all display emails differently. And so as we started digging into it, we noticed that there was a really, <laughs> it was it was very... Um, kind of tedious and difficult to get it to display the way we wanted those emails that designed to display the way we wanted it to. And so as we started doing it, we started creating these emails and we had this one customer and it's kind of funny um, how the full circle things, now they're a pretty strong partner of email and ACID, but they kept, uh, like we had a client that used them as a digital agency that they would kind of do their creative and all that type of stuff. And so we'd give them these emails and they would always throw us under the bus with the client, saying, this won't work. This won't work. This, like these certain things and certain elements and design elements won't display right in email. And we know because we tested it. And as we kept getting thrown under the bus, we kind of said, you know, being the problem solvers that we are, we're like, we, there's got to be a way to solve this problem. And that's when we started looking at the market. We noticed hey, you know, at the time there was really no one out there that would say, they would show you how it looked, but they wouldn't give you any reasons as to why. Like, why does it display the way that it does? And so then Mickey and I decided to say, hey, I think we can solve this problem. And so at night we started working through, you know, we had our, you know, our day jobs, we were doing our consulting stuff. And then at night we started slowly like working on this, saying, hey, is this something that we can solve? Is this a problem that we can make easier for other people? Because we, we know that we weren't the only ones that had this issue. And so as we started building, we started kind of getting that MVP and starting to understanding that, yes, we can build it. And that's kind of how it started <laughs> and where the name comes from. It's like what we do is so our core product is we show you how your emails render across, you know, over 90 email clients. And when you think about that, what it really is, you're, it's kind of like an acid test, you know, in chemistry where you go through and you say, OK, I'm going to put this through a base or an acid kind of see the end result. That's what we're doing with this is like you send an email out, the email client will take it and will interpret it how it wants to interpret or support whatever backend HTML it supports. And it will show you the end result. So we were initially thinking email um, in Acid. And then my sister was like, hey, what are your thoughts on email on Acid? And I thought, I started laughing when she first said it. I thought it was absolutely hilarious and awesome. And so that's where, you know, that's kind of where we took it. We took the name. It kind of, there's a double pun to it. Um, sometimes emails do look like they're on Acid. And it's kind of this fits our personality. And so that's really what started it. And we turned, um, just a couple weeks ago, we turned 10 so it's pretty pretty exciting and, and awesome
0: times for us here at eOA that's awesome and so ten years in business in email, there's been a lot of changes in that time frame right when When you started email was a very big deal, and then through the course of your business's lifespan so far, email got really noisy, and now it feels like it's making a bit of a comeback because people are getting better at it. How did you go through some of those transitions? with your clients when open rates were down and when people were complaining about, I'm so sick of email, I just want less of it.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, it's, it's education, right? And I think that's really where, you know, what we've done is really kind of talk to people about best practices and kind of thinking about when you send an email, don't just send an email to send an email make sure that there's a point, there's a purpose, there's a reason for it. Because as you're right, like, Consumers or subscribers will will kind of see through that. Hey, they're just sending this. There's no value to it. I'm not sure why they're doing it. Um, and so it's just kind of working through with them on best practice. Now, email is not going to go away anytime soon. Like there's just because if you think about it, there's talks about like hey, email is dying, but it's still the number one channel for for marketers, even business owners, because that because think about it. Like every email, every phone that's purchased has email on it by default. There is no other phone, like cross phone, like uh, Google Pixel. You know, you Samsung's, you talk about iPhones. There's really not one default app that's like email on there. And if you think about it too, so it's, it's accessible to every single person. Um, companies are now using an email address as kind of that unique identifier for an individual. So when you sign up for something, you either you give them an email address and then you give them a password. And then also, if you think about it, too, is that where email is coming from is they, they were, there was talk about like, hey, you know, social media is going to take over email. But I don't know if you know this, but the, the largest center of email on a daily basis, on a volume basis, is Facebook. They send more email than anyone else on the planet. And the reason is they're trying. I'm, they're using email to drive people back to their platform by saying, Hey, this person posted on your wall or Hey, this person wants to follow you or this person wants to be friends or whatever it is. They're using email to drive you back to the platform. So, but yes, yeah, so it, it can get noisy. And that's where we just kind of really talk to people about, okay, have a purpose, has a reason and take those subscribers on a journey because that's what we want. Like subscribers nowadays, they want us to tell us a story. They want to be engaged and they want us to keep us saying, Hey, what's coming next.
0: And I I love the fact that you said that you're you're taking the the prospects or the clients on a journey because one of the challenges with most people in email is they're inconsistent. They try to use it to sell first and um, educate later. They don't know how to use it very well. And therefore people unsubscribe because they're not getting that value from it. So when you think about that journey of for your clients when you're working with them, how do you think about it strategically? Like how do you know what that journey is gonna be to keep people engaged and to keep people coming back? Because we all know that um, sales in business, it's the fifth to 12th point of contact where people really begin to want to be buyers. So you've got to get them to hang on for a a few emails to get on that journey. How do you think about the journey strategically for your clients?
1: Yeah. I look at like, so there's a phrase I always talk about when I'm up there speaking. It's, it's be relentless about your relevancy, right? It's all about the relevancy and the subscriber. So it, it's, it's giving them information to the, to um, how do I explain this? So it's just giving them information that they're, they're, they're intrigued about, right? Cause, cause here's a awesome thing about email as well is that, you know, that when someone goes and signs up and this is if you're building your list organically, you know, I'm talking about organically, you're doing like lead generation, you're doing like webinars, you're, someone is saying, Hey, they go to your website and they say, yes, Hey, I'm interested in this company. Tell me more. So it's the only channel out there where someone can directly opt in to, because they're interested in what you have to say. TV, you don't do that. Commercial, you don't do that. Radio, you don't do that. Like, you know, podcasting like this one, they can say, Hey, yes, I want to subscribe and tell me updates. But email is really one of those, the major one that says, hey, I'm directly interested. And so when they say that, that's when you have like kind of a onboarding program and you kind of um, walk them through and say, hey, welcome to our thing. Here's what we talk about, right? And here's what to expect. Um, and so that way, then you're, you're kind of making sure that you are in the forefront. And what I always tell people too is like, you know, when you take them on that story, on that journey, you always also want to ask questions. And so what we do is we send out a lot of surveys saying, hey, is this content something that you're interested in? And then we also measure it based on the engagement rate. And so what do you mean by that is like there's a time when someone signs up to when they become disengaged, they unsubscribe. And, there's, and what we do is they say, I say to take an average of that, that time frame. And what you want to see is that average always increasing. Because what that tells you is that you're creating that engaging content, that relevant content. And they keep doing what you're doing. Now, if it starts shrinking, then you need to reevaluate saying, hey, are our subscribers interested in what we've changed or what we're doing now?
0: And you use the word relevant a couple of times there. And I, you know, it, in my thinking, it's important to, for the subscriber or for the prospect to be interested in what you're doing, not necessarily the information that you think you need to put out there. How do you determine th- whether it's through the data, whether it's through continuing to, to read and, um, the emails and think about them differently, whether it's surveying people and getting their feedback? How do you make the transition with your clients from information I can give to information that the prospect finds relevant?
1: Uh, well, that's a good question, right? So, I mean, I think that's where, that's where marketing comes in. That's where understanding what your subscriber wants and who you are as a brand and as a company and what you stand for. And you talked about like the why and the passion. I think that's the key point is like, why are you in business and why do you do what you do? And when you talk about that passion that you talked about, people can feel that passion when you're out there talking or you're, you're speaking, people can feel like how passionate you are about the topic and they get, it's just, it's really crazy. Like how our brain works and thinks is that when you like, it's, it's contagious, right? That, that passion is contagious in what you're thinking. And it might be something that's not where you might not think is really relevant, but if their passion comes out and comes through, you might be like, wow, that is amazing. I never even thought about that before. I can feel like what they're doing and how excited they are about it maybe I should be excited about this too, or maybe I should consider this more, think about this more the next time I'm doing something, whether that's email, whether that's anything you're doing in life, whether it's running a business, how you're managing people, how you're coaching people, people will feed off of that energy and be, you know, and that's where you kind of talk about like the motivation inspiration, like, you really can't motivate people. You can inspire them, but inherently people are motivated on their own, right? So it's our jobs as leaders, as public speakers, as you know, CEOs or entrepreneurs is to inspire those people with that passion. And that's where that passion comes through. And you think about it like from leadership books all over the place and like Simon Sinek's The Power of the Why, like that passion of the why of what you do is so intriguing to people. And I think that's really where you have to figure out what that is. And consume it and be a part of it and live it and breathe it. And then people, I think that's where kind of that relevancy too comes into play is like, if you, if you have that passion for it, yeah, some people might come along and some people might not, but as long as you're true to those values and true to that passion, um, that's where that really, that true inspiration comes from.
0: Yeah. And I can hear it in your voice just as you're talking about email and the specifics of it and how it works and why it's different from everything else. Obviously you've become a student of email and you become passionate about email. And you know, I was just sitting here taking notes and intrigued about some of the the data points because you know your your service so well and why it works that it's truly like inspirational. Like, oh, I should be understanding my email better. When did that switch flip. You said that when you first started, um, you found, you know, a client that has become a, a good partner of yours that needed this support, but now it, it seems like you're, you're on more of a mission. When did that mission really start after that first engagement?
1: Um, I think it really started when we were out to solve the problem, right? Cause I think that's really, for me, it's like, I, you know, my, you know, you talk about the strengths finder, I'm a high achiever. Like that's my biggest one but my second one is problem solver, like problem solving. And so what I want to do is make the world a better place. And that's kind of why we, you know, my wife and I started the nonprofit is to, I don't know, just make a, make a positive impact. Cause you hear about all these negative things like the news, all that type of stuff. But for me, it really triggered when we said, okay, can we solve this problem? Can we make the lives easier of other people based on our experience? And that's kind of just translated into everything I do. Um, is just kind of looking at it from a positive perspective, hey, how can I make a positive impact on this world while I'm on it? Um, And that's where that, I I think that's really just where the passion is. So no matter as long as I'm solving problems and as long as I'm helping other people, I think that's where my passion comes through. And I think with email, it was like, as we started to figure out that there was an issue and that we could help other people alleviate some of that pain that they might be going through, that's really where it triggered for me.
0: I love it, and, and by the way, my strengths finder number one is context. So I put everything into a contextual box of what I know, and build from there. And then everything else I have is soft skills. Um, and so when when you started the business, you had your first client, you found a a need and a problem that you could solve. But business is never straight up. So when when you were getting your first clients, where was the first big? roadblock, where was the first big problem that you had huh. in your business? Um.
1: So I think for us, so what we did, so again, I think it was market penetration um, to start, to get our name out there, right? I think that was the very first one. So Mickey and I, like, we're completely bootstrapped, so we didn't have any funny. we didn't all of a sudden have, have 50 employees, it was kind of evolution. Um, over that time, but I think really the initial thing was how do we make a name for ourselves? How do we get to? be like we're a player in the industry and so I think what we did is I Think that's really where like how do you get that, that name out there? How do you get that brand recognition? And I think that was really kind of our biggest thing And so there were some things we did strategically like we first the first year that we were business We gave the product away for free. We didn't charge anyone the first year of business and then what we did was we started blogging. We just started blogging about the tech, um, the highly technical stuff um, of what it takes to develop an email. I'm talking about the design side of it, not kind of the deployment, like setting up the campaigns in your, you know, the Mailchimp, so the constant contacts, but just really the highly technical um, coding and design elements of an email. And so I think as we started, that was the first thing. Now I will tell you after that point, um, as we started adding people, I think our biggest thing was this culture, um, and just really trying to figure out because Mickey and I, like, we never, like, this is our first business. Like we weren't, yeah, we were self-employed, but it wasn't like we were, I mean, we were a team with each other, but it wasn't like we had a staff. And so I think from a culture perspective, it was really trying to figure out who we are and what do we want to be for ourselves. And I think that once we figured that out. I think it was a little bit too late. And so I think a message for this, for me and your listeners would be the, the number one thing I will do, like in any other business I start going forward, whatever my path is, culture will be the number one thing period that I focus on from the very get go, because it's so much easier to, to have it um, in place and understand what you want to be and where you want to go. than five years into it and trying to change the culture. Is this a lot more difficult? Because as you get people in, they might be used to that old culture and have to shift behaviors and all that type of stuff. And so the culture, man, like I think, and it's just being true to what your values are um, and just talking about it all the time. Um, And that's what we do here at EOA. Is we every company meeting, we're talking about our core values and we actually have a motto and we really encourage people to at the end is saying, "Hey, who have you seen last week?" or over the course of the past week that um, displayed some of these core values and we talk about it and we give that open appreciation, that open feedback, like those open kudos in front of the entire company. Um, and I think the more you iterate on that stuff, the more you talk about it, the more you talk about it, the more you talk about it, talk about it. it kind of like a broken record. But those are the things that you have to do from the, that I've learned from a culture perspective. And then people start getting in line with it. And, they, and some people might say, hey, this isn't for me. Uh, I don't like this new culture. and that's Totally okay because the way I look at it is I don't want someone to go back and look like at their life two years later, be like, man, I wasted a year of my life at EOA. Right. And it's not, and I get it, it's not for everyone. Every culture is not for every single person. So
0: yes, we're talking with John Thies here on the Entrepreneurs MBA podcast, brought to you by powertexting.com. To win that free hotel stay, go to podcasttrip.com. One person will win a four or five star hotel stay at 17 places around the world. So definitely check that out. So John, you you talked about the, how the, the culture being important, you talked about your clients staying relevant to their audiences. You've talked about a lot of these things that are to ingrain people into what it is you do, whether it's your prospects or, or whether it is the prospects of your clients or whether it is the people at your firm. So when you're looking for clients, are there some commonalities in your clients that you see where you know it's the right person to work with?
1: Um, Well, I think, yeah, part of it, we've we've had to fire clients before, and that's never easy when it's kind of like there's a misalignment on how we treat each other and how, like, what we consider a partnership. Um, You know, because I think it's mutual beneficial, right? For every partnership or every client that you have, it has to be mutually beneficial, it can't be one way. And so I think for us, you know, I think you can kind of tell when you talk to people um, and what they're out for. And there's certain customers that were just like, Hey, this is probably, we're probably not the best fit for you. And we've had to tell people that, but I think what that does, is it shows them like, Hey, you're not out for just the money. Obviously we're in the business to make revenue and do that stuff. But for me, it's about solving problems, about making a positive impact, like I mentioned. And so there are times where like customers, I tell my, you know, my success team and my sales team is like all the time. It's like, it's okay. We don't have to go out and get every single customer. Let's get the right customers, the best customers that there will be a mutual need and that there'll be a a good, positive relationship and mutually beneficial. Um, And so I think for us, like our core customer is is kind of cliche, but it's anyone who sends marketing email, whether using us or someone else, you've got to make sure that what you're doing, um, is getting the right message across to that subscriber. Like when they open the email, are they getting the right message? Does it display correctly? Do all the links work? Do all the call to actions work? All the, that, those types of things. Um, but yeah, there's been times where you said, Hey, I don't think you're the best, like we're the best fit for you right now and your needs go here, but we'll be here for you. And if you have any questions, we're here to help.
0: I love that. That's very, very important to know what that is in your client base to know who's right for you because not every client is perfect. Um, And so before we wrap up, when you're thinking about email or when, when the listeners are thinking about email, everyone does it. Maybe they've got their own MailChimp, their own constant contact. Where do they start? Like what's something someone can do right now in order to get started to be in the right place to work with you? (laughs) <laughs> to work with email acid
1: yes. um <laughs> um so i think it's a it's a focus on well it's an understanding of the power of email right there's so many things like a lot of people like don't understand the complexity of emails there's so much that goes on that takes place um, when you talk about you know the design perspective um, when you talk about like links working whether it's on a mobile device or on a desktop and so i think for us where you're at like our customers one that knows like, hey, email is really important to our business and we want to do it well. Now, those that might say, hey, we do email just to do email um, and not really put a lot of effort into it, that might not be the target customer that we're looking at. Because what we want to do is we want to take you through that journey, just like I talked about through email, is how do you set up that campaign for the ultimate success? Now, if someone doesn't have the time or they're managing multiple things, let's say they're on social, they're doing email, and it's kind of a Hey, I'm doing it because I have to do it. That might not be the best customers. Our customers are the ones that say, yes, we have to do email because we see the value in it. And we need, we know how important it is to our business and we want to do it great.
0: I love that. That's awesome. So last thing for me is when, when you're going to to get clients, what, what is it that, is the trigger for a lot of your clients. Yes, they want to do email better. Yes, they know it's a, a really valuable and really important piece of their business. But for most, what, what problem do you solve? Um, so what we do is, so the problem that we
1: solve really is from an email marketer's perspective is that we want to remove the whole idea of like there's removing the fear of the finality of email. And what that means is like, once you send an email, you can't get it back. You can't say, Oh, whoops, I made a, an error. Well, you can. So that's a different topic that we could talk about, <laughs> but you, but once you get it, once you send it, you can't say, Hey, give me that email back. It's out there in the world. So if you think about it from a, let's look at, let's say Nike, right? Nike has millions of subscribers on their, on their email list. If they send out a bad email, that could relate to millions of dollars in lost revenue or lost income, plus the brand reputation and all that type of stuff. So where we say is like we the problem we saw was removing that inherent like anxiety or that fear, that finality of it so that we walk you through, we walk you through kind of how to prepare that campaign. And so that when you go to send it, you're putting your best foot forward.
0: I mean, and that, and that's makes all the sense in the world because, there are so many bad emails that we all get. There are so many bad emails that we all send. Being thoughtful about it in the beginning and having a partner and a team like John has in order to make that work well, people that have the experience doing it, um, is critically important. So definitely go to emailonacid.com and check out their website. Learn what they do. Um, I think you can be a super valuable partner, somebody that... Um, we can all learn from, whether it's through just the website, through working with you or for your speaking. John, I really appreciate the time today. I appreciate the knowledge and your passion around what you do because every business needs your service. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're very welcome. You're listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast with Adam Kipnis. Thanks for being with us. Um, Definitely go out and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Love to learn from your comments. Thanks everyone. And thanks, John. Thank you. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.